Welcome to the EverSaline podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics, and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense. This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited. Catalyst Consulting exists to help people and organisations work better today and be ready for tomorrow. They have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility, lean, Six Sigma, strategy deployment, agile and change management. They can help you and your organisation to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently. To find out more, check out catalystconsulting.co.uk. In today's episode, we're going transatlantic to meet not one, but two industry visionaries who are reshaping the landscape of lean systems, Sean Fields and Dr. Michael Sanders. Their groundbreaking approach, known as Quantum Lean, promises a revolutionary departure from conventional lean frameworks, delivering accelerated and sustainable improvements in speed and effectiveness, especially in high-mix, low-volume scenarios. But who are these pioneers, I hear you cry? Well, let me tell you, Sean Fields, he has an impressive 35-year journey spanning diverse sectors such as oil field equipment manufacturing, food processing and job shops. Sean brings a wealth of experience to the table and as a published author and industry expert, he holds a BS in industrial engineering from Texas Tech University an MS in Industrial Engineering from the Georgia Institute of Technology and is a licensed professional engineer, Six Sigma Master Black Belt and certified QMS auditor. Sean's unique perspective enables him to offer flexible and user-friendly methods to enhance operations in any setting. And then we've got Dr. Michael Sanders. From a humble beginning as a welder's apprentice to serving as a CEO and president in industries such as food, energy, distribution and high tech, Michael brings over 30 years of diverse experience. As a co-founder and business advisor for Beehive Fund, a non-profit dedicated to industry assistance, he has honed his expertise in workplace culture, systems and process optimization. Michael holds a PhD in industrial engineering and an MBA from Texas Tech University, along with certification as a Six Sigma Master Black Belt. So join us today then as we set sail with Sean and Michael on a voyage of insights into quantum lean, unveiling a new perspective that goes beyond resource utilization. This innovative approach sets the stage for a win-win-win scenario for customers, employees, and stakeholders alike. Gain tips and discover the real purpose of a business that might challenge your current beliefs. Sean, Michael, welcome to the Everseline podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much for inviting us. Thanks thanks for having me, Matt. Now, I think I covered off much of your achievements. And honestly, I sit in the room with you now. I haven't got any of those letters against my name. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> I learned in the field and that's it. <laughs> Shop floor University. The best, the, well, that's the best school when you get down to it, you know? Yeah, very good point. 
But just before we get into the topic of Quantum Lean, did I miss anything off that you think is worth our listeners knowing about you? No, Matt, you covered very well from my standpoint. One item I will add is Sean and I have worked together since 1996, quite a long, long time. Even though during that time, we've had our individual directions of uh, focusing on this very topic and uh, independently proven what quantum lean can do in different industries, in different states, even in different countries. We always have converged our conclusions to what we today call quantum lean philosophy or product-centric approach. It's been just a fantastic journey. And our collaboration, whether together on the site or in articles we write, have been a fantastic journey of knowledge and learning for me from Sean and at the same time practicing what I've learned on the organizational level, even on the shop floor, to put it in a practice of actual improvement philosophy that makes sense and in reality occurs in a faster time with much, much less effort and less investment. That's been a key success for us. Wow, it sounds fascinating. And I don't want to make you feel old, but I was 13 when you both started working together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we may give our yeah. age away as we go oh. forward more and more. So. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're learning about yeah, people yeah, already. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so let's get into Quantum Lean then. Firstly, I love the name. I think the name is really inspiring. There was a program in, in the UK. I don't know if it was in America, but it was called Quantum Leap. Yes, it was in America. Yeah. Did you ever see that? God specula. Uh, I think that yeah. was that's that yeah. 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 I used to love it, and he used to leap into different people's bodies, <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah. he? And then have to live out their life to be able to uh, jump to the next person. It was brilliant. Anyway, but when I uh, first saw the title, that's what it reminded me of. So, Quantum Lean. Then, what inspired the development, and how does it stand out from the traditional lean methods in high mix, low volume scenarios? We knew we have something good. You know, we have something good, but generally, you've got to market that thing and. You know, you bounce around different ideas for book title and so forth. But the thing that uh, that was nice about quantum is, you know, it implies quantum improvement, which is true. And also it's catchy, you know, quantum lean's a catchy title. And the other thing that I personally really like about quantum lean as a name is that to me, a quantum is a thing that's an essence of something. And the thing that we both have found is that we think a quantum lean is really getting down to the essence of what lean is supposed to be about. I mean, people have different opinions. Everybody's got a different definition of lean. But because quantum lean gets to the product, we call it product-centric, every improvement that we do is driven from the viewpoint of the product. And we you know, take it from the standpoint of the product's time. We feel like that gets down to the essence of what lean does. And, if, and, it, and what's interesting is that if you look at it from that viewpoint, it explains a lot about why uh, lean happens the way it happens. And so that's a little bit generic, but that's for me, you know, like why we pick quantum lean and also, you know, certain ways quantum lean is very different from other methods. Yes. And I will add to that, Matt, that in every improvement in an organization that is custom shop or if you will, uh, low mix high volume, you get down to the most minute element of what really makes attraction in overall improvement movement. So when we look at that product, is that is it. And when we focus on product, we go down to the most important uh, items that product literally experiences throughout the facility. And that is where quantum link becomes very powerful. 
Another thing to try to really understand why we offered this new approach to lean is the fact that all we know is lean was introduced to us in the early 80s in a structured way and by Womack and Jones, who in 1986, they finally published it as lean manufacturing system as a phrase. Prior to that, of course, there were some lean activities by other folks, but overall improvement initiatives in organizations in a structured way is about 150 years old. There have been a lot of a lot of fantastic and very powerful individuals in our history of 150 years old worldwide who have contributed to overall improvement initiatives. The lean uh, word, it kind of was introduced because of Toyota production system being investigated by Womack and Jones, and they came up with the phrase lean manufacturing system. And overall, they said, okay, Toyota's success is because of this particular philosophy. I have personally worked with Toyota and I've been very close to systems that they use in different facilities. And also, I've spent a lot of time with automotive industry where this lean really originates from in Michigan with Big Three. But one element that really pops out is the idea of after so many years in late 1990s and early 2000, when Sean and I, we finally were convinced that the lean as it was introduced, really is not being effective, is not helping, particularly for companies that don't produce anything of similar items, more than four or five different, which is basically high mix, low volume scenarios. So we had to come up with something and we said, okay, let's see what happens. Last year, uh, I was invited to deliver a keynote speech in European Lean Community's 10th anniversary. And I was in the Netherlands, and uh, we have done our own investigation, Sean and I, with different entities in the U.S., and we were convinced very, very strongly that conventional lean really doesn't work. But uh, to my amazement, those folks provided data from their side, from different countries, saying that 95% or more of the current lean activities fail. They just don't take you to the promised land. They just fail. And they had concluded that, which really aligns with our conclusion. And that motivated us in early 2000 to put our philosophy to practice. And we started practicing it with companies and literally carrying out on the operational level, making sure that our approach is much more superior. All of those practices for years led us finally to put this quantum lean book together. And what was their root causes for it not working? Did they share those? Yes, they did. The structure that conventional lean focuses on, basically waste focus. They talk about originally it was introduced seven wastes categories. And then in the US, another waste was added, human waste, which is a waste of humans' time or so on and so forth. We viewed them focus on what's called resources in an organization You take resources and you use those resources to convert to a result we call product as an outcome of the organization. And the product comes in the form of goods or services, as you know. So every organization exists for that purpose, to create their product, to introduce the market and sell. As a result, get some money and the cycle continues. These uh, waste categories were focused on resources because management is obsessed with improving or managing resources so they can 
minimize resources and optimize usage. That's really the essence of management. That's one of the reasons I went to get my MBA. I had no desire to get an <laughs> MBA because I wanted to speak their language and see what university or what planet they come from. So <laughs> things, and it made sense. Our approach was, wait a minute, if you're all trying to focus on the resources, and that may be so many different KPIs per resource. At the end of the day, you're going to come up with three, four hundred measurement and metrics and all that, and which companies do today. And they're all collecting all these data, and probably less than 10% of that is processed. And out of that, probably one or 2% actually used to decide what to do next by managers. When we go to that road, we see it's an ocean of confusion. We said, okay, forget that. Let's focus on one entity, one entity in the company that really makes sense. The organization's focus and purpose is to produce that product. That's it, whether in the form of service or goods. That's the focus. So if we really watch that and tag that and only have our focus on that, it makes it so simple, so easy. More importantly, now you have everyone in the organization Converge to that because everyone touches that product at some point or level, and it becomes much easier for them to understand. The confusion go away. So my answer to your question would be reducing and eliminating the majority of the confusion, making the job easy so people can actually have fun doing their job with a focal point, all of them converging in one direction. That was the essence of difference. And we believe what we have done is really revolutionized improvement initiative in organizations. And today we see after so many years, we see a lot of a lot of attention being paid to quantum all-star. Another benefit like Michael was talking about, yeah, I don't know what you've seen, Matt, out in the field, but when people learn about lean, you know, it's all denominated or explained from the viewpoint of like a Toyota or a GM, where you're making a whole bunch of things automotive. And people read that, and then they're in a situation entirely different, and they're kind of going, what now? And, you know, part of what we found that Quantum Lean ended up being was a great bridge between some person's operations and all the lean tools that exist out there. Because you've got Kanban, you've got standard work, you know, drum buffer rope, on and on. But people are often going, okay, which tool should I use? Is it is a good idea to use it? In what order should I use it? Yeah. And Quantum Lean gives people a way to say, okay, what should I do first, second, third? You know, it gives you a sense of priority, which I've not seen any other lean method do. And it gives you that bridge to those tools, you know, like what tool do I use now that I have my priority established? And it enables you to make a much quicker gain. A story I like to tell, and I, and I think a lot of listeners to your show may be familiar with this, but people do lean training. And often when they do lean training, they'll do a simulation of an operation, like one that, that Michael and I do uses Legos to build airplanes. And you build the airplanes in four phases and you implement lean ideas and show how it has a really positive effect on that operation. But the thing that we found is that if we applied quantum lean to that Lego airplane simulation, it's like you almost got it all done in one phase. And it's like all the juice, all the juice runs out for the next two phases. We actually, when we teach lean, we actually follow the Lego simulation in the conventional way. So we can kind of drag out the improvement and make the class flow a little bit better. 
But if you do it in a quantum lean way, it's almost like about 90% of your improvement happens in the first phase. And so those subsequent improvements don't look all that hot, you know? Really interested. Yeah, because if you do it in a conventional way, it's kind of like, okay, I made some pretty good gains on this first round, second round, hey, even better, third round, wow, even better. But it's almost like first round, okay, what now? I'm laughing to myself, Sean, because I've just spent the last week making a uh, a 5s training exercise <laughs> using lego go-karts yeah. with round one to five <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah that's but yeah what's funny but it's funny that we we actually taught a class or two with the quantum lean applied to the simulation we thought okay it, it just it almost like really hurts the flow of the class so we went back to just but we still teach quantum lean but we don't do it on the simulation right away well, it's good though, because then the people that are learning can see the traditional and yeah. then see the change. Yeah. When you mm-hmm. described the um, the sort of the relation back to Toyota production system and stuff like that, my very first experience in continuous improvement was at the UK postal carrier, the, the biggest one. And we had a Japanese professor come over and this was the, the first time any of us had ever done nothing like this. And it was world-class manufacturing. And we were given lecture notes that had been translated from Japanese into to English, but they was all about automotive. Mm. So it was pick your parts and it was pictures of car parts and it was spanners and it was screwdrivers. And none of it was relevant to sorting mail into postcode areas and then dispatching it. But there was no guidance. We had to decipher what bits of it we could use. And we're, we're out on the shop floor as leaders trying to teach frontline people lean using things that are not relevant to them. They didn't understand why, why you show me a picture of a screwdriver. I don't, I don't go near a screwdriver. I felt like it took us five steps backwards before we could go forwards. And it wasn't until as a team, we sort of redesigned that handbook in meaningful terms that we actually started to make any progress. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing is what we found, you know, out in industry because yeah, most people are not automotive manufacturers. Vast majority are not mass production, Mm. you know, like we talk about uh, high mix, low volume. And so a lot of the things that they tell you to do in their recipe book, you know, do steps one, two, three, four in a high mix, low volume. That's not what you do. You need to do maybe steps four, three, and then maybe 10. That, that maybe on a high, in a, you know, high volume, low mix, that might be 10 on their list, but it's kind of number three mm. on a, on a, on a custom shop. But what's neat about quantum lean is that really quantum lean just has very basic principles. And then you can create your own cookbook from those ingredients. Like when Michael was talking about eight wastes and then, you know, the lean people also bring up things like value stream mapping, which has 26 different symbols at least and you know all boats and trucks and you know on and on you know what we did is we just do three symbols for our flow charting method we call it product path diagramming but those three symbols just symbolize what's happening to the product it's you know we we do green yellow and red red's a delay like you're at a stoplight yellow is like a non-conversion what some people call non-value added and then the green is conversion, what some people might call value added. But we do it a little bit differently because we don't really follow that value model. And that's why we say conversion, non-conversion. Because non-conversion is very specific. 
so that we don't get into these debates over, oh, is it value added? Is it not value added? Because I think a lot of people, yeah, no, correct. Yeah. You always get these, I'll actually get diplomatic. I was about to say moronic, but you get into these ridiculous debates about whether something's value added, not value added. And so we just say, you know, non-conversion is one of four things, you know, is it moving, inspecting, rework, handling? We'll call it that. Anything else where a man or machine's doing something, we'll call it conversion. And so it's, it's just very cut and dried, very cut and dried. And to me, that's important when people are starting out, they don't want gauziness. They want things to be very, you know, cut and dried so that they can then get to doing something. And so that's what we, that's what we go for with Quan Lean is it's very cut and dried and it's very easy to follow and it's simplified, mm-hmm. but it, but it just works real fast too. Let's also emphasize on the fact that value stream mapping is mainly from the standpoint of resources. Uh, those waste points and what is value added or not in the eye of the manager, yeah. value comes from the resources. Am I utilizing mm-hmm. this resource in a value way? Does that resource create value to me or is non-value added? And all of that nonsense in our words, in Sean's <laughs> word, moronic. <laughs> all these people are listening now, guys. Well, well, I, yeah, I, I lost my diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. uh, it was. <laughs> yeah. But you were factual. Yeah. You were factual. Let's put it that way. And the, all of that confusion go wash away with a simple product focus and the three stages that product is being interacted. Like Sean said, if a human or machine is interacting with the product, that means the product is experiencing conversion. However, if they are interacting in four actions, that we call it non-conversion. If a human or machine is interacting with the product and they are doing rework, handling, moving, or inspection, we call that non-conversion. Anything else is conversion. We don't even worry about what it is. Because you get into these debates, like you said, oh, what's that's a cut, that's value added. Who cares? We don't worry what what it is. We just say value. We just say forget mm-hmm. it and move on. And when it is at stop sign, nothing is happening to the product. The product is in delay mode. That's what is experiencing. So that's really a simple way. But important thing is, everyone in an organization, no matter what level they work on, totally get it, totally understand it, can totally practice it see it from that angle, and it converges everyone easily. Can you imagine going to the team lead or, or shop floor welder or a supervisor and saying, hey, let's talk about value stream matter. I have 26 symbols for you. And they're going to say, what the hell are you talking about? You know? Yeah, let's, well, let's mix in yeah. some Japanese terms while we're at it and, you know, and all that yeah. stuff and, yeah. and give you an example you can't relate to, yeah. When you've got 26 different Mm -hmm. symbols and you make it too complex, what tends to happen then is you are driving it towards a dedicated management team that do it Mm -hmm. away from the people, which takes you away from the essence of lean in the first place, doesn't it? No, no, exactly. Very well put. Very well put. Well, see, the other thing interesting, and I'll read this a lot on business social media like LinkedIn, is people will say, oh, when you're first doing these lean implementations, you need to bring an outside expert sensei to come guide you and all this type of stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, I've literally seen him write the word sensei, and that's why I brought it up. But the interesting thing about it, like you say, is that it, it brings a, a distance to it, but it like almost puts a mysticism to something that's really pretty simple. You, you know what I'm saying? But it's kind of like you have to be able to interpret this value stream map and really see what it's trying to tell you and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. But we're going, let's be a little more explicit. Let's not, you know, shroud it in all this mystery. Let's just have the product will tell you what's the product doesn't lie. And the product doesn't, you know, really doesn't have spin. Different people have spin, different departments have spin, but the product will tell you what's going on if you'll follow it. 
because what happens is, you know, we have those three symbols and once you've compiled the product's experience, there are certain rules in quantum lean or guidelines, really. There's no, you can't ever have a just absolute ironclad rule, but we have guidelines that you do to set your priority. You know, where's the plurality of the product's time? That will drive what your first priority is. Like, for example, if in like many high mix, low volume environments, delay is going to be your big time killer for the product. That's your first priority. And then you go through the different delays that are occurring and look at the reasons those delays are occurring and attack those reasons. But it, but it's a guideline that people can follow. You know, you mm. just kind of follow along. It's like a framework. Well, exactly. Yeah. There's there's a framework, and you know, it, it provides a good level of handholding, especially to beginners. I mean, you know, quantum lean will work for people that are experienced, and it'll work better for people that are experienced. You know, anything works better when you got experience. But people mm-hmm. that are beginning, they really can use it because you get through it and you do it a few times, you'll have the muscle memory. And a lot of things that we break down into steps will almost automatically just occur to somebody. But, you know, you've got a framework to actually implement this improvement and drive it. I'd like to add one more factor to this. I can take this comparison to Six Sigma. In Six Sigma, there is a very strong emphasis on voice of customer, VOC. And when we start our engagement with organizations, we literally take the position of voice of product. We become the product's voice because in our view, which is very factual, in an organization, the only entity that is most abused, not heard, and kicked around is product. It has no voice. It has no support. It has no, nobody wants it to be in their team. It is just totally neglected and we become its voice. So if I am a piece of product or a piece that's going to attach to another piece to become the product and sitting on a pallet and waiting... I become its voice. I, I take the microphone in my hand. I start yelling, come and pay attention to me. Come and take care of me. Why am I sitting here? If we really look into that picture and realize that, oh, wait a minute. That is the only entity that truly makes the customer happy. That's it. Customer wants from you the product. You talk about voice of customer, whether it is internal or external, doesn't matter. Voice of them is give me the product. Now, form, fashion, or whatever. If you take care of the product, and listen to it, you're already automatically taking care of customer voice, whatever their requirements are, whatever the uh, process needs to be every step. So product really is the focus that we go. It makes complete sense. It does. And the scenarios you describe, I think anyone who's worked in this space for a number of years will recognize these scenarios. I've spent so many hours over the last 20 years debating what semi-value added is over and over and over again and ironically it doesn't really matter because all you're really looking for is the non-value in there to, to deal with anyway yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well right or yeah non-value added oh my necessary, God. Oh my you know God. even that little yeah see the, the, that's something i've always said to people when i first when, when michael and i go to companies and we work with them i say as far as i'm concerned right now every task is necessary because whatever system you've created, it means that that task is necessary. Mm. So I don't get into whether it's necessary or value added. It's just, let's look at what's happening in the product and that'll drive our priority level. Because what's interesting is, you know, we, we have worked with companies where it turns out maybe delays and non-conversions aren't really the main thing. Most of the time actually does lie in, in the conversion stage. So we start working on optimizing mm-hmm. those jobs. You know, like we do standard work, things like that. What's interesting is a lot of companies, that's the first thing they'll do is let's do standard work. And the reality is they've got so much time tied up in 
unbelievable delays and unbelievable non-conversions, why are you trying to make efficient what you shouldn't be doing? But, but the quantum lien gives you that indication. Let's not go into standard work. Sometimes, yeah, I need to go into standard work. Just depends on the company. But you know why they do it? They do it because they're looking at the lean house and yeah, they're told right. at the bottom that's of the lean house is that yeah. going, right, must do standardization. What do we do? No, exactly. But it's, but it's like in some cases, it's absolutely indicated to do that first. But most of the cases we've dealt with, it's something you hold off for a little bit. The interesting thing about people that want to do standard work, it, it's a mouthful. And to do it really well, that's a lot of work. It's worth it, but it's a lot of work yeah. when, you, when you're at that stage. And to me, a lot of times getting rid of delays and, and non-conversions is actually a little bit easier and a lot more gratifying. Standard work's not very gratifying, in my opinion. It's, it's kind of painstaking. It's painstaking, yeah. Are you ready to elevate your team's ways of working? Are you seeking fresh insights and growth opportunities? Our experts will assess your team's practices, providing valuable insights for improvement and celebration. Reward and recognize your team with this certification tailored specifically for creating an improvement culture. The BQF Academy accreditation acknowledges your journey, outstanding outcomes and future plans. Whether you utilize Lean, Six Sigma, project management, or continuous improvement techniques, this certification celebrates your incredible work and positive impact. Propel your team's performance to new heights with the BQF Team Excellence Culture Certification. Visit www.bqf.org.uk today and let's celebrate your success together. 13-time single prize winner, Dr. Jeffrey Liker and Toyota Kata author Mike Rother have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive, compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves? Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. Well, Sean, let's also attach that to the experience we have, and we referred this in the book as well. The thing is, standard work becomes easier and much more applicable if you focus on delays and non-conversions. Because in standard work becomes easier to achieve if you truly approach to it from the standpoint yeah. of let's eliminate as much as we can on the delays and non-conversions. That becomes easier to view it. What is now standard? So. I think taking it correct is the best way to go. Well, yeah, because it's, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because to me, the, well, and I'll, I'll add this note is that like standard work, a lot of times to me, it's always carried this implication of people aren't doing their jobs right. And really, a lot of the reasons things are going wrong are because of outside factors, which lie in the delays and the non-conversions. So if you attack those first, there's a little bit of good faith you establish with people that you understand that the that the environment's creating a lot of their problems, if not all of them. And that'll make the table, you know, set the table for really good standard work. 
Yeah, I think a lot of the time, standard work is used as a stick oh. to beat people with from the very beginning. Yeah. Correct. Beat them with this stick. And then we go, well, wh why are you not engaged with this? Why are you not enjoying it? Why are you not going off and doing this? Mm -hmm. That's exactly. true. Yeah. There's a misconception I often find where people think standard work is that's the way we're supposed to do it. That's the way we always do it now. Mm -hmm. but, but what they don't understand is that standard work is the best way we know how to do something today. Right? And we can change it when we come up with something new. Yeah. One of my favorite games to play, this, is, this lets you into the mind of me. Some of the games I like to play is I go into a, a new organization and I'll observe. Right? I'll watch the process. I'll watch what they're doing for a couple of hours. Then I'll say, can I see the standard work? And they go off into a back office somewhere. They drag out this filing cabinet, blow the dust off of it, get out of this big binder. And they go, here, it, process number six, here it is, look. And it was like last updated 1981. And I'm reading through it and I'm looking at it. It's nothing like what I've just seen out on the yeah. shop floor. Yeah. And I'll say, but what's happened? And they go, oh, since then, actually, we've got people that have worked there for 15 years and they now do this. And you yeah. talk to the people and they've found ways of overcoming the issues. But because they do it day in, day out, they know how to overcome the issues. It's never documented. Mm -hmm. No one ever writes it down. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So exactly. if those people left or, you know, God forbid yeah. something happened to them, what happens? You go back 15, 20 years, don't you? Well, well exactly. Yeah. So Matt, from the standpoint of looking at it from quantum, exactly what you said, you take those standards. How often, number one, have we heard employees at any level asking, oh, they told me to do this way, but it is really a bad way to do. I've developed this other way. You see? But if you look at from quantum standpoint, what you explained is so beautiful. And I'm just going to take it one level higher. Yes, this is the standard way of doing this work. This is the way we have been taught or we have modified. But from quantum standpoint, we say, what is the way of doing the work for this order versus for the next order? So every order, every customer order oh, now yeah. in the high mix, low volume is going to vary. So every customer order is going to have a standard. But when we talk about quantum link, we go to that level and we say, okay, the commonalities are delay, non-conversion, conversion. That's the only thing that's the standard. And now when people understand that, they know they have to reduce those. By reduction of delays and non-conversions, product sales through faster. And that's the essence of today's business life. Everybody in every industry and in every business want to have speed to market, speed to market. Why? Because they want to beat the other guy so they can satisfy their customer with highest uh, quality and fastest delivery. And the only thing that's going to happen is focusing on the conversion and trying to minimize and eliminate delays and non-conversions. That's when it sails through. Like, I don't like getting into these things where, oh, it's always management, it's always management. I mean, management, it's a hard thing to do well. But if you've mm. got somebody and they really were wanting to do a bad job, then I am looking at management, you know, because yeah. I'm just going, yeah. you let somebody in, you shouldn't have let in, or you've created a situation that is really toxic where someone would be that kind of uh, deranged yeah. to want to actually just damage a product, you know? Yeah, all roads lead to Rome, as they say. <laughs> well, yeah, there you, go. there you go. Last year, I went onto the shop floor in, in this company, and I spent all day packing women's knickers, different colors for the different orders. In front of me was a, a standard work, it was like a screen that showed like a, it being acted out, like a visualized piece. And I was doing it to the T, right, exactly as it told me to do it. And I was really going for it all day. And it tells you your productivity in the corner. <laughs> And um, my productivity was like in the bottom 5% of all of the people doing it. And I'm doing it exactly as, as it said. Right? And I was working really, I was sweating, right? Anyway, in the tea break, I went and looked at the, uh, the productivity and saw the person that was leading the way. And they were like double what I was doing. 
And I went up to this person. I just said, oh, you're doing really, really well. Like, how are you doing so well? What are you doing? And they explained. And I said, oh, I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. And I went, don't follow that. that. That's not the best way of doing it. You should be doing it like this. Anyway, when I went back after my break, I did exactly what they told me to. And I went straight up the table to the top and I was smashing it. And I said to the, the leader at the end of the day, I said, why if that person is consistently performing the best and their quality is far better than everybody else's, why have we not updated the standard work and, and made that the standard? And you know what his answer was? He said, well, the lean team set the standards um, and they're a global team yeah. and, and they're yeah. not here today. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it's that way all over the place. Like, you know, you've got, you know, Michael and I have worked with like beverage companies, bottlers, and they have people order pick and they've got these very expensive computerized systems into their headphones telling them what to pick, but they do it there. Really, if they do it the way those systems tell them, they're going to like <laughs> put themselves in a corner yeah. and they actually do it their way and get a better result. I mean, that's just one yeah. example. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, well, you always have this plan that's created, but the plans are created by people that are a lot slower than the real-time situation exactly. on the floor. And it's, that's one when I talk about standard work being a real, you know, that's that's a loaded issue. Mm. It like actually doing standard work where it can keep up with real time. You know, it's it's a, it's a challenging situation because yeah. so often it doesn't. You know, back in the day when I was a frontline worker, if the organization management were doing something that we didn't agree with we were in a unionized environment and the union oh. would go, right, everybody work to rule, now work to rule. So everyone would work to the no. rules. But <laughs> thinking about that, it's crazy. When we work to rule, the company would grind to a halt. Nothing would happen on time. Everything mm -hmm. fell apart because mm -hmm. we were doing the standard work. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, yeah. it tells the story in itself, does it? The fact that the rule <laughs> was going to break mm -hmm. the company. Why is it the rule? Madness. Oh, madness. You see, we are also... <laughs> We are also now going to a conclusion of a fact that we have all along, we have witnessed, Sean and I have witnessed, and it is a very major mistake that management makes. Management looks at certain trends or certain successes or stories they read about by using certain trends. In this case, Lean is fantastic. They start reading about it and talking about how successful Toyota is, and let's get into Lean. And in their mind, the best way to do that is hiring lean experts and giving them a team of other experts as a lean team to carry out all the improvements and changes in the facility. That's the biggest mistake managers make. Number one, their, of course, lean team is going to have conventional lean approach. But more importantly, deep down, they address problems, in this case, improvement issues, by bringing resources, by throwing money and bodies to the problem. They don't really understand or ever, in my opinion, I would say never, they really sit back. In my 30 plus years of experience, perhaps two or three people I've encountered who truly sits back and says, I want to find out the problem first if I throw money and body to it. Everybody is in that boat. I have a budget. I, as I approved, I'm going to hire. I'm going to throw some bodies and money into this problem to go away. By doing that, they compound the problem. Now, you had an issue of trying to improve something. You bring an expert with his or her style and experience who has put in his resume, I did this in that company. It worked. I said, oh, this guy has fantastic background. Number one, there is no guarantee that's going to work in this environment, that this environment is totally different. People are different. Number two, you're trying to take away the essence of the problem by sugarcoating or by putting a patch to it, throwing money and people to it. 
the actual problem is when you really dig down and realize where the stress is on the product's journey from entering to the company as a PO and exiting as a finished product. Where is the stress point that that product experiences? If you really dig down to that, often you don't need continuous improvement director or manager. It's just silly titles we come up with. It's just not good. Another message from this conclusion is if you're preaching Time is the most important essence. That's why we say the time of the delay, the time of the conversion must be eliminated. If you're talking about that, the result is you can do more in that period of time. Basically, instead of producing one item, you produce four items, for instance. So if you take this to industry that we are in, consultant industry, we realize how wrong they are, how totally mistakenly they approach to their market. They get a client, they get a project, they drag and they try to do things. And if they do with conventional lean in our case, it's going to take a long, long time. Whereas if they do our way, it's going to take shorter time. So in the period of a year or two years, if they were doing one project, they'll be doing three projects with ours. Imagine if that happens. So we are actually saying even your job as a consultant, as a practitioner, can get better, easier, and give you faster results, more recognition of success in the market in a shorter period of time. That way, it is beneficial to you to go help another company. You'll create more revenue for you. At the same time, it costs the company much less per engagement with consultants. So they save money. They are in better shape as a company. You are in better shape serving somebody else. So it works very well all around, not just in high mix, low volume production systems, but also in consultancy. I was going to ask you that, actually. So the book mentions that it, it works across all sectors, but that would be the same from manufacturing through to you know IT services, government services. It would work across all of those. Yes, Yes, yes. Internet companies or yeah. telephone companies, all of them, all the banking industry, for mm-hmm. God's sake, yeah. they can take a huge lesson from content lean yeah. and help us. Or even restaurants and food industry, all of them, of course. Well, what's interesting is, you know, and if you look at some of the practices in restaurants, especially well-run ones, and it's kind of like they're very compatible with the quantum lean idea. And like uh, if someone was trying to get a restaurant in better shape, quantum lean is a very good tool for that kind of situation because really the whole key of a restaurant is turns in the dining room you know like from what i've heard it's like three turns are what it takes to be profitable but that's really the quantum lean idea will drive those turns you know it'll it'll get Mm -hmm. people in and out quicker but if you take a product focus like in, in a certain case it might be you look at the customer as your product when you're at a restaurant which is what kind of is. And from there, you'd analyze what's going on, determine your priority and start attacking those priorities. And you use quantum lean as a bridge between the priority and the lean tools. And you can get that business to actually, maybe you get four turns, you know, that kind of thing. You know, Sean, you brought up this example. I yeah. remember Gordon Ramsay in his yeah. show actually does That's a good job. Of, yeah, exactly. Doing some of the steps that we talk about yeah. and, we like yeah. that show very much. He does a very good job of that. Obviously, the focus is for the owner of the business to be in better shape and make money. But he does focus on the customer. He does focus yeah. on the dish itself, yeah. the meal itself. Yeah. And those are the key elements that we want to bring to entire manufacturing and service industry. We did a project with oil field, gigantic company that is they're drilling. And we go out to the drilling site. And in fact, Sean himself was there with one of our other experts they spent three days in there they come back and all they said was one word truck (laughs) 
And then president looked at us. I said, is that right? He said, yes. He said, I'm going to find somebody who decided a couple of years back or a few years ago to reduce yeah. that truck. Basically, they used to have three trucks. Now they have two trucks. And Sean said, I want to tell you, Mr. President, all you need is truck. That's it. He said, oh, my God, that guy is fired. When we gave him the facts, he realized it's just total, total nonsense by trying to reduce the cost of resources, in this case, reducing one truck, $36,000 an hour in the rotation of one week, which turns out to be $36,000 times 64 hours because of one single truck. And they could have bought four trucks for that money in one week. Wow. Well, see, what was interesting, yeah, in that case, that it's great. I'm glad you brought it up because I kind of forgot about it. But uh, yeah, it's like what they call a rig move when you're taking a rig from one area and then you're dismantling it and you're moving it into a different place. And so it's a beehive of activity. You know, that, that was kind of interesting. Without the quantum lean tool, like my colleague and I would have been lost, but it's kind of like, because there's so much going on and you're trying to, you're trying to piece together, okay, what, what's the priority. And so you just keep taking it in and taking it in and looking at it from that standpoint. And then, yeah, you find the pinch point, you know, that choke point. And yeah, the, the president that Michael refers to, he was kind of shocked when we brought it up, but then he went, that makes complete sense. That's right. Because they were, they were shorting a resource where if they had just, provided a little extra of that resource, it would have shortened that rig time a whole, whole bunch. So simple as well. Well, yeah, yeah. but the interesting thing is I do think people need a framework because I can say if I hadn't had a quantum lean framework, I would have been dead in the water because that's the, the thing I saw. These were people, very smart people and very knowledgeable out at those rigs. And they're chasing, in a way, like the people that are trying to optimize it, there are other people from that uh, drilling company, but they're looking at the wrong things. You know, they, they get fixated on a particular point and think, okay, we got to do A, B, C, but really there's maybe G out there that they aren't thinking about, and you need a framework to look at it. I think having a framework like what you've got with Quantum Lean, yeah. for people that are experienced, yeah. it keeps them true. Yeah. And for people that are inexperienced, it gives them confidence, doesn't it? It gives them that mm-hmm. crutch to, to use to help gain that confidence before they start running. Yeah. So Correct. it's a win-win. Yeah. Well, you just, you gave me a talking You point. gave me my closing. <laughs> Matt gave me my closing. I, well, yeah, because I, I've said, you know, experienced people can use it, but you say, yeah, it keeps them true. I like that. So I've got an extra talking point. I think for people that are new, like you say, it is a good, it's a handhold for that person that's mm-hmm. that's new. And they can, they can have more confidence, like you say. So what advice would you give to practitioners from C-suite practitioners all the way to on the shop floor? What successful quantum lean adoption looks like? What would be your advice? From my standpoint, a successful quantum lean adoption looks like that the product you make has a very short time in the shop. Like it really just sails through. That's what a good one looks like because... For the product to really sail through the shop, a lot of things have to happen. That shop has to be pretty buttoned down for that to occur. And so to me, that's the barometer. I think you probably, you may have read it in the book, but the story I like to tell is from the movie Castaway. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Love it. The first scene in the movie, he shows up at a FedEx uh, location in Russia and he has a kid give him a box and he pulls a clock out of the box and it shows how long that box had spent in the system. And yeah. that's the way I think about it. What would your clock say? If, if you put a clock on your product, you know, like the material being dropped to the floor, 
what would that clock say Brilliant. when it gets out? And that's a quantum lean, a perfect quantum lean would show zero. Obviously, you can't do that, but that's a quantum lean needs to show a really low number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've done that with GoPro cameras in the past. We've strapped a GoPro yeah. to a package exactly. and then sent uh-huh. it through the internal system just yeah. to see yeah. what happens to that package. Yeah. Brilliant to watch. What's the common pitfalls or misconceptions the uh, transition to quantum lean has then? How can they be avoided? What would you say to people? Look, if you're doing this, keep an eye out for this. I would say from my standpoint, the most important element to keep an eye on is commitment from the management. If the management is not fully committed, you're not going to be successful. In fact, you may show success in a short period of time, but after that, it's going to reel back to the old story and the company is going to suffer. And that commitment can only happen if the management truly understands quantum lean approach, framework, and philosophy, which we do a session with managers called six-hour QL session. And at that time, all the leadership and managers are on the same page. They truly understand the essence of this, and now they start committing to it. If the consultants or practitioners don't really hold that, they don't get their commitment, the road is very, very tough because everything changes every day. The expectations, the rules and policies may change as well. But once they have this understanding, they give you the opportunity to go ahead and roll it out. That's my top item. That six-hour quantum lean session that you do, do you do that virtually or do you do that in person? No, in person. It has to be in person on their site. And the reason for on yes. their site is because we make sure that during that six hours, these top leaders, managers, presidents and all that, we confiscate their cell phones put it in a basket so they won't be disturbed. If they are disturbed during that time, there is no hope of commitment. That's one of the reasons we do it. Brilliant. Everything is calculated in our very clever. approach and structure. Very well. They also can't call for help. That's why you take exactly. it off of them. They're exactly. stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean, did you have any? I would say stay with the product. You know, sometimes people will get into a mode where they're worried about the individual person, the machine. You know, they might say, oh, I'm working on a product and I put it aside, but that's okay because I'm working on another product, you know, but you're going, okay, but it's about the product we're following. And so why did you have to delay on that product? It's probably because they're missing a part, something like that. But to me, just stay on that and follow an individual product as it goes through. And then I think you'll get your best result. If I see a little, just a slight thing people need to touch up, it's that. Like, for example, if you're capturing the delays of products encountering, let's say the order involves 100 pieces and they'll put the cycle time for the entire 100 pieces in a green. And I'll tell them, okay, it's just for one piece. And then the delay is for the 99 pieces that catch up to that other piece. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They're things that come with experience as well, aren't they? If you've done it a few times before, you know. Yeah. It's not not the end of the world. It's Mm -hmm. just one of those things to refine it a little better, you know, make it make it flow a little better. What are the future developments for Quantum Lean that you can share? Have you got aspirations for it? Where do you want to take it? I like to have a focus on management system and supervision supremacy. And that's the focus we've had with Sean for the past couple of years. We're trying to put this together as our second introduction or second rollout of quantum lean systems superiority. It is important for us to make sure that the management and supervision are truly on board with this approach. Once we do this and they are on board, there is no stopping of effectiveness of an organization and efficiency of delivering the products. That way they become world-class automatic. That's our next step. Sean, what about, you're on the same page as I am. Sure. We've got the book, but we also expand workbooks to help people 
get even more detailed about different aspects of implementation and also bring simulation in to help people learn the concepts, especially in office settings. Because, you know, like if you're going to see how something you do affects a system, if you could play with it on an animated screen with simulation, you can start to visualize that situation a lot better. So that's another development that we're going to bring. That really resonates with people as well. Do you know what I love? Doing any kind of exercise of a group of people with post-it notes where you put them on the wall and you can move them around so people can visibly see the difference that it makes. I find it shaves hours off of any kind of activity that you do if you visualize it. So I think that would be really useful if you could do that. So this, this is the bit you've been waiting for. This is the bit where I'm going to fire questions at you where you basically can't answer yes or no. Um, normally, we do it with one guest, but I'm going to do it slightly different today. So what I'm going to do is I will fire the first question at one of you, then the other one answers the next question, then the other one answers the question after, and we're going to go sort of like a game of tennis. Uh, who wants to be my first victim? I mean, participant. I'll go first. I'll go first. <laughs> right. So you, I've chosen the subject for you, Michael, and the subject is puddings. Very interesting. I hope you know a lot about puddings. A little bit. (laughs) Good. You didn't say yes or no. Well done. Right. So you're going to hear the music and then you've got 60 seconds to try and survive. Right. Here we go. I have 60 seconds. It's Michael and Sean's big moment. Do not say yes or no. Michael, is chocolate pudding one of your favourite desserts? No. That was brilliant. I know you got a hard stop, but I mean, that was pushing it. (laughs) Well, there you go. Sean, you don't even get a go. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. We're already out. Okay. Oh, that was brilliant. It's only a game. It doesn't matter. We move on from that very, very quickly. Where can people go to find the book? Because I want to make sure people can get hold of this because it is absolutely brilliant. Well, I mean, it's basically at any major bookseller. Amazon's uh, one, obviously. Awesome. I'll make sure a link goes down into the description below so people can get hold of that easily. And if people want to connect with you both, you're on LinkedIn, are you? Yes. Yes. Well, well, look, thank you both so much. Really appreciate you coming on and talking about Quantum Leap. It's an amazing sounding framework. I think it's super useful for new folk to this area and for experienced people. Uh, and I think the buzzword within any organization is fast. And Quantum Lean gets to that quite quickly, which I think people will really like. So thank you both very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Well, th- thanks for having us. It's very, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, thank you. Some key takeaways from today's enlightening conversation with Sean and Michael. Michael and Sean have developed something very exciting in the quantum lean philosophy, which focuses on the essence of lean principles, particularly in high mix, low volume scenarios. They emphasize a product centric approach where every improvement is driven by the viewpoint of the product and its journey through the organization. This philosophy evolved from a recognition of the limitations of traditional lean methodologies, which may not always be easily applicable to other industries or scenarios. Instead, Quantum Lean offers a simplified, adaptable approach that prioritizes real-world relevance and accessibility. Now, Quantum Lean offers a simplified approach to improvement initiatives, cutting through the complexity of traditional lean methods by focusing on basic principles and straightforward tools, such as swapping a value stream map for a product path diagram, consisting of three symbols representing conversion, non-conversion, and delay. It becomes more accessible to all levels of the organization. 
This simplicity helps provide clear priorities for improvement and facilitates alignment and convergence with the organisation. It empowers frontline workers to take responsibility and contribute to refining processes leading to more effective and efficient operations. One notable aspect of Quantum Lean is its emphasis on prioritising the needs of the product itself. This approach treats the product as the primary voice in process improvement rather than solely focusing on customer and management perspectives. By adopting this viewpoint, organisations can better identify and address delays and non-conversions, critical factors in high-mix, low-volume environments. This product-centric philosophy also encourages organisations to re-evaluate standard work and be adaptable and responsive to the unique needs of each service, order or situation. As with any continuous improvement methodology, success with Quantum Lean requires full commitment from management. A structured approach to learning, such as the six-hour QL session conducted in person, can help ensure alignment and commitment from leadership. Phones in the basket, no distractions. Remember that. (laughs) Management must avoid the mistake of adopting lean methodologies without fully understanding the underlying principles. Instead of addressing symptoms with resources, it's critical to dig deep and identify the root causes of problems within the organisation's processes. The quantum lean approach emphasises the importance of time efficiency, eliminating delays and reducing cycle times to achieve greater productivity and profitability. I'm really excited by the future developments in quantum lean that Michael and Sean discussed. It's going to focus on enhancing management systems and supervision to further improve organisational effectiveness and efficiency. The book on quantum lean is available now through major online booksellers like Amazon. Breeze, you will find a link right down below there that you can just click on and order yourself a copy today. Now, Dr. Michael Sanders and Sean are available on LinkedIn for further discussions and connections, providing valuable resources for those interested in implementing Quantum Lean principles into their organisations. Overall, for me, Quantum Lean offers a practical and effective approach to lean principles, tailored to the unique challenges and requirements of high-mix, low-volume environments. By focusing on simplicity, clarity and alignment, Quantum Lean empowers organisations to achieve continuous improvement and success across numerous industries. That brings us to an end of this episode of the Eversaline podcast. Thank you so much to Sean and Michael for joining us today, all the way from America. And it's just really good to hear about new ways of working. Um, As I say, with continuous improvement, it's always new things to learn. You're never actually there. And quantum lean sounds like it fixes some of the gray areas that I think we come across with standard lean. So it's super exciting. If you enjoyed today's episode and want more, be sure to subscribe and follow the Eversaline podcast on your preferred platform or visit eversaline.com. There you can catch up on missed episodes and explore the range of services that we offer, including leadership coaching, lean excellence consultancy, podcasting services and event hosting. Take a moment to like and review the podcast. Your review does mean so much to me. And if you're on social media, make sure you give us a follow and let me know all about your quantum lean efforts. I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget, Eversaline. You know it makes sense. The Eversaline podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit eversaline.com to find out more. Yeah.